0: amen amen he is risen and so glad that you are here with us uh, this Easter morning uh, 2019 it's a great uh, time to uh, be a part of God's church uh, to be a Christian walking with him today and uh, I'm here to tell you this morning whether you're a Christian or maybe you're uh, someone that hasn't made that decision yet uh, we are praying for you and just trust the Lord is going to do something really special Uh, this morning we've been doing something all year since the beginning and we're going to invite you to join us to do it again this morning before we uh, come to this time in the service uh, every week this year we just prayed a simple prayer believing in our hearts that God speaks through his word today as he has throughout history and we've just been praying Lord today speak to me and so we want to invite you to do that right now so if you would bow your head and just pray that simple prayer and ask God to speak to your heart this morning just pray Lord today speak to me And believing that, all God's people said, amen, amen. Uh, we're a Bible-believing church here. and We're going to be in the Word this morning. So if you brought your own Bible, uh, please turn it to John 11 this morning. Uh, if you didn't bring a Bible, we've got you covered. There's one right there around you. If you grab that Bible and turn it to page 897, you'll be right where you need to be this morning in John chapter 11. And uh, as always, we encourage you to be uh, on your tablet or on your phone. You can download the Oakwood app. I just search Oakwood Enid in the uh, App Store or the Google Play Store. You can download the Oakwood app, and on there you get a sermon and sermon notes, and then all the scriptures and all the bullet points from today's message is right there, and you can interact and even take notes in the app there. So we invite you to uh, be a part of that. Um, if you are uh, been around the church for some time, you may say John chapter eleven for Easter. That that is not the Easter resurrection. Uh, passage you know that that's that's one uh, I think that's some story about a guy named Lazarus and and I think you'll understand uh, why we're talking about this morning in just a moment but I want to kind of give you a little bit of framework of what it was like Easter morning and then how we're going to get back to John chapter 11 if you remember the story uh, of Easter and how exciting it was this morning, um, you know, really, we see it as exciting. I think the disciples were a little bewildered, I believe is what Scripture says. They were a little confused by the resurrection, which, you know, you read the Gospels like we do today, and you said, oh, Jesus talked about this again and again and again. You should, you should have known, disciples. You should have, you should have been really excited that morning. But they have even gone to the tomb and were perplexed by what was going on, because you have to understand, they saw Jesus crucified, they saw him beaten within an ounce of his life, they saw him hung on the cross, and they saw the, the, the Roman soldier took that spear and, and put it into the side of his chest to make sure that he was completely dead, to take him off the cross, to wrap him, to carry him to the tomb, and to seal that tomb, they had seen and experienced all of this. And Friday night was such a dark night for the disciples. And I don't know how they slept that night. Did they sleep at all? Uh, did they fall into some deep sleep and have horrible dreams? It was such an emotional time for them. And then you get to Saturday. How long a day was Saturday for, for the disciples? I mean, how long was that day? knowing that their Savior and their Lord and their master and the one they had called teacher and the one they had called rabbi and the one that loved them and the one they'd seen so do so many miracles and express so much power was now in a tomb. The Sunday came and it's recorded in scripture early in the morning uh, some of the ladies went to the tomb and they were going to make sure that uh, Jesus had some some uh, you know was properly buried and they just wanted to go see well you know what, what was around the tomb and um, it was a Passover weekend, they'd hurriedly put him in the tomb on Friday, and, and they go, and they see the stone rolled away in this empty tomb. And those ladies were so excited themselves, they ran to the disciples, and the disciples were like, ladies, you're crazy. You, this didn't really happen, you, I mean, they literally, like, almost call, call these ladies crazy, like, no, you need to come see, and so Peter and another disciple, they run to the tomb, and they, and they stick their head in, they see the spot where Jesus laid, he's not there, he's risen, and they walk away wondering what had happened there, it was resurrection from the dead, that's our main verse this morning, it's actually found in John chapter eleven twenty five. so if you would look there, John chapter 11, verse 25, that's going to be kind of our theme verse for today. And this is uh, one of the uh, seven statements that Jesus made in Scripture where he declared himself something. He said, I am, I am, I am. And here in this one, and this one is, I think, the culmination of them all. And here in John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus said this, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. You may say, why? Well, it's because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Now, we need to understand what resurrection is this morning, just to be clear. Resurrection is when something is dead, and it comes back to life. And if you know the story of Easter, that's exactly what Jesus did. He was completely dead, and then he came back to life, and that was a very exciting morning. Now, here's the cool thing. In this passage we're looking at today... He actually proved that he was the resurrection and the life. He actually proved that he had the power over death. That he was indeed as he claimed to be. When he spoke this I am statement here, it's actually in the context of another man who had passed away. This man's name was Lazarus. And I want to share the story with you today. of of Lazarus, and we're going to look at three uh, different characters in this story, and we're going to look at how how the resurrection that Jesus proclaims is actually something that they will experience in their own lives, because they find themselves maybe not physically in a tomb, but maybe spiritually they find themselves waking, waking up dead in a tomb, and Jesus is in the business of bringing the dead back to life. John chapter 11, let's begin with verse 1. It says that now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Now you have to understand, Lazarus, Mary, Martha are brothers and sisters here in our story, and so they're a very close connected family, they're living in this village of Bethany together, and and Lazarus, it says here, had fallen ill. Now skip down there to verse 3, it says, so the sisters sent to him, sent to, to, this is to Jesus, sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Now, when we think of illness today, you know, we think of oh, big deal, right? It's like go to urgent care, go see your, your physician, you know, get some medicine, get some antibiotic, get it all cleared up. That is not the way that it was in Bible times. They didn't have the technology, they didn't have the science, they hadn't figured out all the chemicals and, and things with your body and how that all worked. And so when you were ill, it could be very, very concerning. When you fell ill, you didn't just, you know, well, go get some lab work. You know, Lazarus, we're just going to go to the lab, we'll draw some blood, we'll figure out what's going on in your body, and then we'll, we'll treat it this way. That's not how it worked back then. And so they were, of, of course, very concerned. And if somebody had fallen ill for days, you know, maybe they'd been really sick for maybe a week or so, you were very concerned because, you know, lifespan wasn't as long back then. They didn't have the medical, uh, you know, knowledge. And so, of course, these ladies, being followers of Jesus and believers in Jesus, they're going to send for Jesus to come and say, hey, You know, you know my brother Lazarus, you love him, and he has fallen ill, and and we need your help, Jesus. And so that's what happens here in verse 3. But I want to point something out right here. That this just seemed like a normal day in Bethany. And maybe Lazarus and Mary and Martha, uh, they were just in a good season of life. Life was just going. Maybe it wasn't great, but maybe it wasn't bad. It was just going through life, and life seemed to be okay. And sometimes there's some bad news in the middle of a good life. And some of you were Maybe be able to relate to that this morning. The life seems like it's going pretty good. There's nothing major going on here. But sometimes there's some bad news in the middle of the good life. And, and unfortunately, and if I could pause here for just a moment this morning, although there are many of you that come today and you're celebrating a good season of life. Life is good. Life is easy. Uh, it's going really, really well for me and my family. There are a whole bunch of us this morning that are hurting Because, yeah, we were in a good season, but we had some bad news. In fact, some of you have heard that very bad direct news that the one you love is ill. The one that you love is ill, just as they told Jesus about Lazarus. Someone who is close to you is sick. It's very concerning to you. Some of you are in that season where uh, your your job, the job that you love, uh, you just found out it's going away, and you're going to lose your job. Some of you, your dream marriage it's been anything but a dream it's actually turned into a nightmare for some of you a close friend isn't going to be so close anymore and it's painful for some of you it's the principal from the school calls to talk to you about your teenager and he's not telling you that they made the honor roll there's something going on in life you know what i'm saying things are going pretty good and then we got some bad news now in the middle of this jesus says something amazing look At verse 4, that next verse, it says, but when Jesus heard, when Jesus heard this, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And what he's saying here is this thing that, that you would never want to happen, God is going to bring glory to himself through it. That thing, that bad news. Now, we'll come to back to this verse. But I want to give you a, a summary of the next few uh, verses in the passage here. If you go down to verse 5, it says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. He knew this family. He loved them, uh, was sincere, uh, and, and, and was concerned about Lazarus. And look at verse 6. Though It says, So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. And then after that, he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. Now, just to summarize here, uh, what, what happens is the disciples are concerned about going back to Judea. Because if you'd read a scripture before this passage, uh, Jesus had been teaching there, and some of the Jews were offended by his teaching because he was teaching uh, God's will. He was teaching the kingdom of heaven. He wasn't teaching uh, religion by tradition. And so a bunch of the Jews there had decided they would stone him and kill him. And so they had retreated from the area of Judea uh, um, back to uh, back to Galilee, and, and so it was one of those times where it's like we're going to go back there where people want to stone us. And and in these next few verses, the disciples are talking to Jesus about that. They're saying we don't want to go back to Judea. I know Lazarus is ill. I know he's back there. We don't have any business. Uh, going back there, you know, it, it, everything will be fine. Now jump down to verse 11 there. After saying these things, because Jesus said, you know, uh, we're, we're going to be okay, everything's going to be okay, I understand you guys' concern, but, but we're going to be okay. Get down to verse 11, it says, after saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. And verse 12 says, the disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, then he will recover. Now we're not for sure what they mean by this. Is it just sleep like a like a nap, or is this sleep like maybe a coma? But what they're believing is that he's not actually dead. He hasn't fallen asleep, Lord. I mean, you just said he's asleep. We got to go awaken him. He's in a coma, or you know, he'll come out of this. He's just he's just resting for a long time. He's in a deep sleep, and his body is is trying to work to fight this infection or this illness that he has. And so everything's going to be okay, Lord. So we don't really need to go to him, especially back to Judea where they're going to stone us. It, it's like we we need to just to just uh, stay stay right here. And it says in verse 13, now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant he was taking rest and sleep. Then, verse 14, it says, then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. <laughs> you guys aren't following along here yet. Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. And then we encounter uh, uh, this guy named Thomas here. And Thomas, one of the disciples, and you may have heard of Thomas before. Here's a little little uh, thing that describes him. It seems to always be in Scripture when you're talking about Thomas. He was called Doubting Thomas. So that same Doubting Thomas in verse 16, it says this. So Thomas, called the twin, and actually in the Greek, Greek the word there is Didymus. Um, and you can look that. That's in some other translations and in the footnotes there. And I, I love it when it says Didymus there because... You know, I thought that was a good name for a little brothers or sisters. You know, if you're having a baby, you might want to call him, you know, Didymus. You know, it sounds like a rapper, you know, DJ Didymus or somebody from Hollywood. But anyway, this Thomas, who's the twin, who's also known as Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, let us go that we may die with him. Do you sense the sarcasm? They've just warned Jesus, we're not going back to Judea. They want to stone us there. We're going to die and Jesus is like, hey guys, we're going, and, and, and I know that uh, actually Lazarus hasn't fallen asleep, he's dead. But that's so that I can show you something, and, and so that you may believe, so let us go to him. And he says, oh, let us go with you, Jesus, so that we can die. Come on, guys, let's go with him so that we can die with him. And you sense this sarcasm. Thomas is the first character in the story of the day. That I wonder if there's some of us that we can relate to Thomas, doubting Thomas. You see, Thomas was dead and in a tomb of his own. Thomas was dead in his doubts. He's doubting, right? That's how he's known in Scripture, doubting Thomas all throughout Scripture. You see him referenced that way in so many different places. And you have this feeling that his his take on this is this is not going to turn out well. This is not going to go well for us. Jesus, I don't completely trust you. You ever been at that point in your life? Some spiritual doubts? You ever had that thought? Well, God... Well, God, if 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 you're so good, then why did you let this happen? And, and, and if God's all-powerful, then why didn't he do something to stop this situation? And maybe it's at that point that those thoughts are echoing back in your mind now, and you say, you know what, I can relate to Thomas. I think as believers, we've all been there at some point in our life. You'd be able to relate to Thomas and say, yeah, I've had... I've had that, that season where I was doubting God. And some of us, we doubt God so much, and we quit putting our faith and our belief in him that it seems like we're dead in our doubts. We, we can't go further anymore spiritually because we, we, we we're having problems with our faith. We're just not believing in him anymore. And they're deep down inside our hearts. We're dead in our doubts. Because if we're honest, we just don't really trust Jesus anymore. Maybe some of you feel that way. Maybe some of you can relate to Thomas this morning and say, yeah, I'm dead in my doubts. But there's another character in the story I want to point out that was struggling, and that was Mary. Mary, one of Lazarus' sisters. Mary was dead in discouragement. Dead in discouragement. You know what you feel like when you're discouraged, right? Nothing good's happening in your life. You ever been there? I have felt in the last year more discouraged than I've ever felt in my life. It's been been some times, not all the time, but there's been some times of struggle. There have been some times this year where my wife said, why don't you go talk to somebody about that? You ever go through that? part in your life where you feel discouraged, and, and what it feels like is just that nothing's easy anymore. Life used, used to be easy. Now everything's hard. Every relationship's hard. Every, every category in your life, it's just all hard now. Sometimes I just feel like, man, I just want to win. God, give me a win, just a simple win at something in life. Just make something happen positive in my life, because I feel like it's just negative after negative after negative, and it's hard. And when you go through that season in your life, it's easy to feel discouraged. I think that's how Mary felt. Look at her, look at her reaction here in, in, in verse 20. In verse 20, and when Jesus was coming, so him and the disciples made the decision. We're coming to Bethany. We're coming back to uh, Judea here. I, I know there's some risk for us here that we may be stoned by the Jews. But we're coming back here. Look what it says in verse 20. It says, so when Martha heard that Jesus was coming to, to visit them and to see them, she went out to meet him. But notice the next part. It says, But Mary remained seated in the house, discouraged. Probably sitting there with her thoughts and thinking, What's the point? My brother is dead. Why bother with Jesus? Jesus didn't come. And now I've lost my brother. Some of you may be there right now. You've got so much discouragement in your heart. And you're thinking, I can't change this. The circumstances, I can't change them. For some of you, it's this feeling of loneliness. And you're to the point where you said, I'm always going to be alone. For some of you, you're thinking in your mind, you know what? I'm just always going to be that depressed person. I'm always going to be stuck in this dead-end job with nowhere to go. I'm never going to make this marriage work that I thought I'd have this wonderful life. I am stuck, and I feel discouraged, and the future seems rather bleak. And yeah, I think if Jesus were were coming into town, and he was coming my way, I'm not sure I would get up and go greet him either. I might be like Mary, just sit at home, close the blinds, and struggle with discouragement. And some of you, you're there right now, and you even felt this way this morning. You didn't really want to come to church. Now, you've been a good Christian this morning. You're like, oh, it's Easter. Put on your happy face. Everybody greeted me in the lobby. Hey, how are you doing this morning? Oh, it's great. It's Easter. He's risen. But really deep down inside, you're struggling. I want you to know that struggle is real. And that you might be at that point, like I think Mary was, where she was just dead. Just, just dead in her discouragement. It was like... She was in her own tomb of discouragement. A stone was rolled and she was sealed in. Some are dead in their doubts like Thomas. Some are dead in their discouragement like Mary. And then there's another one in the story. Martha. Martha struggled too. Now, it doesn't seem like Martha wavered in her faith as much, but I think she was nevertheless struggling. I think Martha was dead in the delay because of how and what she spoke to Jesus. In Martha's mind, she was dead in the delay because God took too long. God didn't operate on her timeline. We let you know in plenty of time, Jesus. Look, remember what it said there in in, in verse 6? It says, so when he had heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Why didn't Jesus come then? Why didn't he come immediately when he found out that my brother Lazarus was ill? Look at verse 17. It says, now when Jesus came, he found out that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. How do you think Martha felt? And for some of you that are maybe Princess Bride fans, that means Lazarus wasn't just mostly dead. He was all the way dead. Okay, there's a few of you out there. He was deceased. For so long that later in the story, Martha actually made a comment about how the body would smell when they opened the tomb. Jump down to verse 39 here in chapter 11. Jesus is waiting at the tomb and he says, please take the stone away. Jesus says, take the stone away. And Martha, the sister of the dead man, notice how she's referred to here, uh, down here in verse 39. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor. Do you want to know what it says in the King James? I like the way the King James says it says, his body stinketh. I think that's a holy, righteous way to say the word stink. You know, you don't say stink or stank. You just say he he stinketh. That's a holy stink. But the point is, the point is, is that Lazarus is gone. Four days. Jesus, you're a little late. He's already dead. He's been dead for four days. We called you. We let you know that he was ill. You knew. We asked you to come. And you didn't respond. Let's not add injury to insult here and open the tomb. Let's keep it closed. Martha, I think, felt dead in the delay. You ever felt that in your life? God, you took too long. It's too long. You didn't do it in time some of you may be able to relate to that this morning you feel dead in your delay because you're waiting on some result in your life and you're extremely frustrated with God be honest this morning some of you are are out here and you're I'm serving God I am loving God I am I'm living the righteous life I'm doing what he's called me to do and I want to get married I want to find that mate I want to find that person that God has for me and my friends are out there just living these, these gross lifestyles, and they're out you know, at the clubs and at the bars, and they're dancing the jiggity-jig, and I'm refusing to dance the jiggity-jig because it's a, it's a moral thing for me, and so I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm following Jesus, and I want to mate. And they're out there at the clubs dancing the jiggity-jig, and, and they're all getting married, and I'm, I'm like an old maid now. And I've been in three weddings, and I don't want to be in any more weddings until it's my wedding. I'm sick of being a bridesmaid. I'm sick of being a groomsman for my friends. I'm ready to find my mate, Lord, and you are dead in the delay. I know married couples, several even in this church, that are praying for a baby. And they've been trying for years. And they can't conceive. It's very frustrating to them because they're in a class or... You know, small group with some other people their age, and other couples—they just look at each other and hold hands, and they conceive. <laughs> and they've been trying. And in this day and age, we're we're trying treatments, we're we're trying everything. The doctors are telling us, to "Do." And we're praying. And we're really believing. But it's—it's getting to the point. It's hard. It's hard to deal with God's delay. Some of you are praying for that loved one to accept Christ. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's someone in your family. It's that person you love so much, you just can't can't in your mind just allow yourself to think of them going to hell. And and to die in this life apart from Jesus Christ. And you're praying for them. And it seems like the more you pray and the harder you pray, it seems like the further they are away from that decision. And, And you're getting weary of it. And you're beginning to feel dead in the delay. Some of you have been praying for healing. And it's not happening. And you feel dead in the delay. And if that's for you today, then I want you to know that God's delays are not always God's denials. And just because God hasn't done something yet, doesn't mean that he isn't working in the background. Doesn't mean that he doesn't have a plan. Doesn't mean that he's not still in charge. And I want you to consider that at the very beginning of this passage today in John 11 what does he say this is going to be for my glory what's more glorious healing someone from the sick or raising someone from the dead he's got that kind of power and he has a plan and it's hard to be in the delay it's hard life was going pretty good good life good season so we got some bad news. The Lazarus was ill. And they go to Jesus and they say, Jesus, the one that you love, <laughs> Lazarus, you love hanging out with this guy, he's ill. By the time Jesus gets there, he's been four days in a tomb. It's amazing about this story and, and reading it in my Bible. I call this my preaching Bible. It's large print so I can see it better on Sunday mornings. All the bad news in my Bible is on page 1004. You go to John chapter 11 and you read, Lazarus is ill, now Lazarus is dead, and, and Mary's not even going to greet Jesus, Thomas is doubting, uh, Martha is frustrated, Lord, if you'd only been here. And it's in that time of discouragement and doubt and delay that you get down to the bottom of that page and you're like, Wow. This is a really depressing story. But then I get over to this next page, page 1005. And it seems like on that page, there's some good news. There's some good news. Now, it was on page 1004 that Jesus shared this, when he said, I am the resurrection and the life. But it seems like when we get to page 1005, everything turns. Let's read what Martha said in verse 22. It says, but even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Now I want you to notice verse 21 what did Martha say there? Martha said to Jesus, "Lord, if you had been here, if you'd only been here, Lazarus would still be with us today." But then it turns in verse 22, she says, "But but even now even now, Lord, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you." Now I don't think in that moment she was thinking resurrection from the dead. But she was saying, Jesus, I still have a little faith in you. Maybe this is enough enough faith to to get me there. And then Jesus responds to her in verse 23 and says, your brother will rise again. And and here, it's one of those times in scripture where you you, you feel like we need this moment, right? We need this moment where we can say, hey, even now. Some of you need that moment this morning. You need to declare right now, even now, Lord, even now, Lord, all things are possible with you. Even now, Lord, you are on the throne and you're the God over all. Even now, Lord, when the the story is dark and we're stuck on page 1004, even now, Lord, I'm going to believe in you and I'm going to have faith in you and believe that there could be a page 1005 with some good news on it. Somebody this morning might need to say, hey, even now I'm going to choose God. Even now I'm going to believe. Even now when I'm in the middle of all this. Even now when I'm in the height of discouragement in my life. Even now when I feel so lonely, I feel all alone. Even now when I'm in depression. Even now when my marriage is hard and my family is messed up. Even now when everything looks impossible and it doesn't look like anything's going to change. Even now, Lord, even now I believe in you. And in verse 24, because Jesus in 23 said, your brother will rise again. In 24, Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. She had heard that teaching before. Then on the, the final judgment day, the dead in Christ shall rise. And Jesus had been teaching that to his followers. And so she was believing, yes, 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 he will rise again someday, but not, not today. And then Jesus declares this in verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this, Martha? And she said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. And Jesus is the resurrection and the life for us this morning. That if you believe that this morning, if you believe that this morning, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, then we should be a people that would give a cheerful amen because of who Jesus is and what he's done in our lives. See, you need to understand something this morning. It's not what he does. It's who he is. Resurrection is not what Jesus does. It's who he is. Resurrection is not an event. It's a person. It's Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And I want to tell you this morning, dead things don't stay dead when resurrection walks into the room. Look on page 1005 with me. Go to verse 38. When then Jesus deeply moved again, just a couple verses before it said Jesus wept because of the great sadness of loss of this family. Jesus actually cried with his people. He felt the loss of Lazarus. He felt the sting of death in that moment. And in verse 38, it says, Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb, and it was a cave, and a stone lay against it. That sounds like something else, right? And Jesus said, Take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Look what Jesus does here. It says and Jesus lifted his eyes to heaven. And he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me, that they may believe in my power. Look at verse 43. And when he had said these things, he cried out. Notice what it says. He cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. I don't know why it says loud voice there. I'm thinking maybe dead people can't hear as well as alive people. It's where my mind goes when I read scripture sometimes. But, but he cries out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. You know why I think it says loud voice? I think John, the writer of this, is wanting to let us know this is an epic moment in history. Someone who is dead is coming back to life, and it's through the power of this guy named Jesus. And that's why it demanded this moment of authority when Jesus came talk to someone who's been dead for four days and say, Lazarus, come out. And then look what it says. The man who had died came out back to life. His hands and his feet were bound with linen strips, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him from these grave clothes, unbind him, unwrap him, and let him go. He came out like a mummy, and they unwrapped him, and he was fully alive again. At that point, I'm thinking, if I'm Jesus, I'm like, I am the resurrection and the life. Flexing his spiritual muscles. There's two resurrection stories this morning in there. It's Easter. Look at, look at the parallels here. Jesus is dead in the tomb with a heavy stone blocking it. Lazarus is dead in the tomb with a heavy stone blocking it. Jesus calls Lazarus out, and there is no stone that will get in his way. And Jesus, the Son of God, rises up Easter morning, and there is no stone that will stop him. And some of you, you are dead today. You feel it. You are stuck in this tomb with this big stone in the way. And you are dead in your discouragement. And you're dead in your despair. You're dead in the delay. You're dead in your doubts. And you feel trapped in this tomb. And you would actually come this morning and say, I do not have the strength to remove this stone that is blocking my way out. And yet, desperately, you're like, I want out of this thing. I want out of this tomb. I want to come running to Jesus. This morning, I want you to know Jesus wants to resurrect your life this Easter morning. Even now, in this moment, he wants to resurrect your life. I want to remind you this Easter that Jesus has rolled the stone away. And that same voice that called Lazarus out of that grave in a loud voice with authority is calling your name this morning and saying, come out, come out. Your sins can be forgiven. Your future can be secure. You can be set free, not because you're strong, but because he is strong. You can feel his presence in your life, not because you deserve it, but because he loves you so much that he died for you and he rose again. The resurrection is not what he does. It's just who he is. Some of you, it's time this morning to get off page 1004. And to meet Jesus and turn the page to 1,005. And to have some good news running around that bad news in your life. And Jesus would stand before you this morning and look you in the eye and declare to you, I am the resurrection and the life. And whatever you're dead in this morning, dead in sin, dead in doubt, dead in discouragement, dead in my delay, I'm the resurrection and the life. And I want to resurrect your life. I want you to come back to life through me.